0: special request before him something that has been mentioned uh, in the announcements before we want to pray a back to school blessing on not only students but parents and teachers and staff whether you be the public school or home school or christian school or cyber school or uh, hybrid school uh, everybody's doing something a little different in some ways and especially this year more than ever we need prayer as we think about school and so i want to begin by just asking those who are going to be either teachers or staff in some way in this next school year if you would stand right where you're at if you're going to be a teacher or staff in some way which means if you're homeschooling by the way you are the only staff uh so as we think about who we're praying for our teachers and staff and now if you are going to be a student this year and it may be whether it's from uh preschool to graduate school whatever it may be if you would stand you're going to be a student this year school and as uh, those students stand we just ask the the pay if the parents uh, other family members are around to go ahead and just kind of gather beside them as we're going to be praying for them so Parents, feel free to stand because we're going to pray for you too, you an important part of this process, what God's going to do in this year. For the rest of us, uh, just reach out your hands towards them. You don't have to go, but just kind of reach out your hands towards them as if God is, uh, you know, we think about his blessing, laying his hands on them. And just as we pray in a very real way, let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we recognize that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice in it. This time is difficult to do that, but Lord, we want to do this because none of this is taking you by surprise. And whether we feel like anybody has a plan for sure, we know that you have us in the palm of your hand. Lord, help us to begin this year with an attitude of gratitude, not for the circumstances and everything around it, but just recognizing that you, the God of the universe, wants to work in this school year and therefore all things are possible in ways that we cannot even yet imagine. As we begin this year, Lord, I recognize that there are some here who, and this deals with those who are online as well. Hopefully they're standing and they're Uh, standing in your presence this moment. There are some that are excited about getting back and others that are just anxious. There are some that are looking forward to it and others that are just fearful. Pray that you be very near and lead people through this, not necessarily just because of what's going on with COVID, but just the natural feelings one has sometimes when we come to school time. Help us to keep our eyes on you and to recognize that you are with us always, in all places. Help each to know your peace like a river that can flow upon them and just carry them through this year. Lord, I pray for each of the ones standing here and at home that you would give to them patience for the new year and a new process for some. In general, we pray for each one As they take on tasks that are new, even technology that may be new, that you are able to work in and help in everything, including this, that just to even pray that the technology would work for them, not against them. Help us each to recognize in this school year that whatever we do, whether in word or in deed, we do it all for your glory, Lord Jesus, for you. So now, Lord, bless the students. Bless each of these students. We pray that you'd help them to adjust anything that's new and different. And maybe it's not just COVID-related, but it's new to elementary school, new to high school, new to college. Lord, we pray that you'd guide them And each step of the way, help them to learn and do well in school, the things they put their hands to, to focus on what they need to be focused upon. We pray for their, their social interactions. It may be those around them, even just at their home, for those who are homeschooled, but it also may be those other places, other students, other faculty and staff. We pray that, we would be led by your spirit to love and to respond in love and not react in this year. In fact, Lord, we pray that you would protect these students as your blessing flows upon them. you, protect them. Protect them from peer pressure, but rather that they would submit to you. Help them to make wise choices in friendships and the courage to stand up and to speak up when is necessary. Lord we pray that you would have. That they would have a good relationship. With those around them. I think of even those. Uh, who are. Working in the, sc- are in the school. Or just work and move. In their life. Pray ultimately. That you would help them to follow you. As they face. Daily decisions and pressures. You protect them in the school year, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I pray that you would deliver them from any false or or foolish ideologies. That you would keep them from evil and harm. Lord, I just pray that your shield of faith would surround these students, and that they would be able to walk in your word. And the promises of your word, like in Joshua 1.9, that you've commanded us to be strong and courageous. To not be afraid, to not be discouraged, because you, Lord, will go with us wherever we go. Bless them, Lord. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon the parents to give them wisdom, to help them to lead their child through their school year. To give them those who might need still yet wisdom as to what to do with places that have choices Then very clearly, you would direct as you've promised to give wisdom generously to those who ask. Lord, for those who are feeling uncertain of how to navigate this year, uh, maybe things for the first time, uh, whatever it might be, that you would help them to recognize that you will guide, that you can lead, and they just need to follow as parents. And that no matter what happens, that Again, your word is true that we can do all things through you who gives us strength. Lord, I pray you help the parents to stay healthy in themselves, not just physically, but you'd help them to stay emotionally, mentally grounded so that when the ground shakes for their children, they will be that stable ground around them. Give them the strength to raise a child in today's world, to create a home. Atmosphere where there is peace, where there is an ability for them to learn. Give the parents not only wisdom, but the temperament they need to make this next year a a blessing and not a burden. Enable them, especially to show love to their children that is unconditional, that is not dependent on what they do, but on who they are in you, Jesus. Father, I pray that your blessing would be upon the teachers and the staff, that the reality of your word again would come true, that you, God, will supply all their needs according to your riches and glory. We recognize that, that some of the teachers are also homeschooling. Some of these teachers are parents, that both at the same time. Help them to deal with that dual role, that their homes would be able to transition from school to that home life that is needed, giving a supernatural peace not only in their home but even in the homes of others who will be teaching. Lord, in fact, I pray for those teaching in, in systems where there are other staff that they're going to be interacting with, that there would be a peace, a sense of unity together, even amidst the the time where where things just are uncertain, that they wouldn't be taken out on one another, but they recognize they're together on the same team. Pray that you guide these teachers and the staff to make wise decisions, especially those who are higher up, who are having to choose direction. Give them that wisdom. And we pray that you would give them patience and the perseverance to see through what you've called them to this year that they may not be overwhelmed but that each teacher and staff would be an overcomer in you Jesus even as things changed give them the strength the energy that they need amidst all the different possible scenarios that have probably been shared and other ones that haven't come up yet May they continue to have the clarity to stay on what you know and what they know is their task before them. And that this would be not just a year that they survive but thrive and it would be wonderful in you. I pray also for those teachers and staff that sometimes get discouraged, that they will remember that we don't always see, especially among students, Results right away, we don't see what we're doing, but there are things happening that cannot be seen. And that their efforts are never in vain. So Lord, help each and every one standing here and at home that are watching. To be filled with your spirit and to overflow with the fruit of the spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Lord, help each one that we pray for today to show that love, to be the light in their actions and their attitudes, to live that life not only as an example, but as an influence on those that they will have contact with this year. May they show the wonderful, wonderful matchless love and grace of you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would bless them and make them a blessing in your name. Amen and amen. Amen. We really do pray that the Lord would bless you in this year. And and the hope is that each of us would continue to pray. We've been going through all these things and we know this year is, is going to be different. Uh, and yet God hasn't changed. He's still on the throne. Uh, let's look at James chapter one verse 22, and you'll want to just keep James open. Uh, that's what we're going to go back to and look at here. James chapter 1 verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like the man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the word, by the world. Father, help us as we open up your word, we open up our hearts and our heads, but more than that, our hands to be ready to do what you ask. Speak, move. Not only anoint me to say what you want, but anoint us to hear beyond anything I say. You, Jesus, reign supremely over this time and may we be changed by your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierce through this day. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Perhaps you've heard a story similar to this before. Uh, I was heading out on a Saturday morning and I left a note for my kids to clean their room. All right. Now, this is not something that would surprise them because I talked to them the day before about it. This is what you're going to do. I talked to them. But even though I talked to them... That morning, as I headed out, I left a note. I left a note on the refrigerator. I left a note on the TV. I left a note on the doors, thinking, okay, we're good. So imagine my surprise when I came back five hours later and the rooms looked like this. I don't know if you noticed. Let me go back. Okay, here we go. No difference. Now, obviously, this is not really my kids in our room. It, I'm, you know, as I'm. Sharing that, they probably wouldn't like that. I, I was like, well, maybe they missed the note. I mean, it doesn't seem likely, but, you know, maybe they missed a note. So I asked the kids, and and they said, um, no, no, we got your note. We read everything you wrote. In fact, we read it a number of different times. Well, apparently then you didn't get what I was saying. Ah, I could say, well... Yeah, I mean, there was some discussion about what exactly you meant by clean the room. And we were wondering what was the best way to do it. So, you know, we got together. And all of us kids got together and we took a couple of hours and studied your note. And talked about it and what it meant and how it should, we should possibly go about doing it. And, and then, listen, we prayed about it. You know, okay, that's good. But you still didn't do what I asked. Apparently, you didn't take seriously what you were asked to do. Oh, Oh, yes, we did. You know, I say, oh, yes, we we took it. In fact, we took it so seriously, we all memorized your note. Even the little one, even the little ones got it memorized. And it was exactly, I mean, like, no, 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 no. Right? It, It doesn't matter. All that matters ultimately is that you would just do it reading about it talking about it studying and memorizing and in the end does not matter if you did not just clean your room and hopefully by now you realize this story that i said you may have heard before is really a parable of christians and our father god who tells us in his note right here to clean up our lives And so many times, it's not just five hours later, but five years later, we look exactly the same as we did five years ago. And we have not changed. This is what the passage is about today in James. In fact, the theme verse, not, not only the verse we're covering today, but what could be the theme verse of James and even the theme verse of what real Christianity is about is verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It all comes down to just this. Just do it. Now how do you do that? We're going to look at three ways this morning on how to live out the word of God in part one of the message over this, these scriptures here. And we're going to begin with first, we need to live it beyond just listening. You know, hearing's a good thing. Last week, what was the thing we had to, we kept saying the verse, you know, we should be quick to listen or quick to hear, depending on what your version says, but quick to listen. That's, that's good. We are supposed to listen, but that's not the whole truth. That's not all of it. It says be doers of the word, not hearers or listeners only deceiving yourselves, doers who obey, not just those who listen, but those who live it. And this is not a new concept to James's audience that would have been to many who would have been uh, listening to those from a Jewish background, the followers who uh, would have been familiar with the Hebrew of what we call the Old Testament. In fact, this was something that early on in Hebrew classes and seminary that they, they taught us just to try to give us an idea of the difference in, you know, we've got our, our Western culture and, and then the kind of the Eastern culture, a whole different way of thinking even within the Bible Uh, And as they talked about it, you know, even just to look at the word "hear" or listen in the Old Testament, one of the most famous passages, one of the again, one of the key passages is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four here or some versions may say, listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We've all heard that. It's, it's called the Shema, the Shema, basically because that first word here that I have underlined back here, here, that's how you would say it in some way. The Shema is to hear. except that in Hebrew, the amount of words they have compared to the amount of words we have in English is not even close. They have many, many, they have much, much less words than we do in English. And so words have double duty, not just double meaning, but the same meaning. It means this and it means this, which deals with this word here or listen. Because when you were to look at this word in the original and you were to look throughout the Old Testament, you would see it used, except sometimes it would not say hear or listen. It would say obey. There would be a much different way of looking at it. As you're listening... Because that word to hear also means to obey. Are you catching this? Listening to the word and doing the word are the same thing. When James says this, don't just listen only but be doers. It would have been like, well, duh, of course. Because that's what the word means. There's a sense that you have not heard the word of God until you have heeded or done the word of God. Just like in the analogy about uh, at the beginning with children uh, saying, well, we heard every word you said. I mean, yeah, we heard every word you said. And we're like, obviously you did not listen. Oh, no, we listened. We really listened. We heard. No, you didn't because you did not do it. And that is what God's word is talking about. That's what he's trying to get across to us. You did not listen if you are not living it. This whole concept as far as God is concerned. It is verse in James is a, do not merely listen, but do what it says. Ultimately, when we're talking about our problems, it's not a hearing problem that we have. It is a obeying problem. The whole point, the purpose of the Word of God, is to go beyond just listening to it, to actually living it. You think about it. We have more opportunity today than any other time in history to listen to the Word of God, to read it, to hear it, to to see it, even on on video, on TV, on, on you know computers, uh, YouTube, iPads, iPhones, all kinds of things. I mean, they've just got. The Word of God and resources about the Word of God are just overabundance. We have much greater access to the Word of God than generations before us. Therefore, shouldn't it make sense that we should just be greater Christians? I mean, to have we should be greater Christians because we have greater access than anybody else has ever had to the Word of God. But we're not greater because there is something greater that we need, and that is to actually be doers of of the word of God to do it it's not about how great we are at listening it's about how great we are at living the very word of God which means in the end we cannot blame whoever we're listening to as the problem whoever's teaching or preaching or whatever it is because the true mark of growth in a Christian is that we live it not what not that we listen to it and so that responsibility While somebody may have a responsibility in what they are uh, sharing with you, uh, what you're hearing and what you're listening to, ultimately what you're being judged on is what you live. And only you can do that. I can't live your faith for you. Only you can do that. Listening. It's a great thing. Each time we come before the Word of God, like Samuel. Remember Samuel when he was a boy, he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. And now that we understand that concept in the word of what listening means, Samuel wasn't saying, speak, Lord, because I'm finally hearing, because he already heard. He heard. He heard something. He heard with his ears. But his listening, it was not just with his heart, but speak, Lord, for I am ready. Whatever you have to say, I will do. I am ready to obey. And some wonder why uh, god doesn't speak to them in some special ways you know I, I hear somebody say well god spoke to them and 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 most of the time it doesn't mean somebody had an audible voice but that they just had a sense that god was speaking to them and and then people are like well i don't understand why god why god doesn't do that for me and there are a number of different reasons but one of the reasons is why should he why should he speak to you in some special way if we only intend to listen and not do what he's going to say? If we're not going to do anything about what God's going to tell us, why should he tell us something special, so to speak? Well, it's not that I'm not going to do it. I mean, I'm, I, I, I probably will. I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, it depends on what he says, but, you know, I, 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 I'd like to at least to hear it first. And God's like, no way. Why should I do that? If you don't do it, you didn't hear it. If you don't want to do it, you're not going to hear it. What's the point in some kind of special revelation in this in any way? It's like the story of the two men who built a house upon the rock. Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who has built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash note here's an example of two people who both listened to the word of god they heard but they did not live it and only one house remained standing through the storms of life it comes down to this just do it the second point we need to live it even in the little things to live it even in little things oftentimes when we're thinking about uh, living out God's word, we think about the big things, you know, well, the big areas, or the, the area that we're struggling in sin with. But but what about all the commands? Like we just covered in James, we've been doing James here in chapter one. Chapter chapter one verse two: Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials. How are we doing with that one? Or let verse four: Let perseverance finish its work. Or if you need wisdom, ask God. Or oh, you must believe and not doubt. How are we doing with that? How about the one in humble circumstances take pride in the high, and those who are rich take pride in their humiliation? How about uh, verse 12, persevering under trial? How about verse 16, don't be deceived? How about verse 19, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? How about verse 21, get rid of all moral filth and evil, humbly accept the word planted in you? All those things are what God has told us. To do, not just to hear, but to be doers of the word. And yet, uh, you know, those, those are for some reason we think those are just little things. Those are not things. That, what is God not serious in what He's saying? Because there are no little sins. We. This is why we need to be reminded. This is why we need to go over those things word and again. I, I don't know if you've ever. I, I'm sure because I know that. We have people here who are head and shoulders above everybody else. But you probably heard somebody say, listen to a message, just say, I've heard this before. We've done this scripture before. Oh, I just studied James. I, I I already learned all about James. Now we're going through James. You know what God's saying? He's saying, no, you haven't. You didn't hear it the first time. You didn't hear it the second time. You haven't heard it yet because you're not doing it. You have not heard it until you heed it. You have not listened until you live it. It never started, which is why he directs people and other things to keep bringing the same message back to you again and again. There's a reason you're getting it again and again. Why we need to be reminded We're so interested in learning new things when we're not even doing the things we've already heard. We'll talk more about that next week. Well, For example, being a hearer versus a doer of the Word as it deals with baptism. That's what we're going to do next week. Uh, Next Sunday, ask if anybody is interested or just wants to know more about it. But People are like, you know, there's probably some baptism. That's good, but it's really not a big deal. You know, I don't know whether I really need to worry about... Listen, God said it, just do it. Really, there's a lot that we can learn about baptism. There's symbolic symbolism to it. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's related. But really what baptism comes down to, because we've made it more complicated, it needs to be what it comes down to. God said it. Even Jesus did it. God said it. Just do it. Yeah, but, you know... I will. I'll get to it some point in time. Do we realize that delayed obedience is disobedience? Whatever it is, delayed obedience is always disobedience. And as I said, you know, talk to me about this because there are some things that we need to hear before we do as it deals with this. But living uh, living it out, living out the word of God in little things, not just obeying stuff that we agree with it means not just do you know like oh i'm living out because i'm already doing it like i things that don't require life change should not be something we're bragging about hey look what i'm doing as a christian and for all that matters there's some things that we could say well i don't do this and i don't do that you know what before as a christian i didn't do this and i didn't do that Now that I am, I'm going to say, hey, look at me. It doesn't matter. That's not truly obey. I mean, obviously, there's there's a sense that now hopefully we do it for the Lord, but it's not a big deal. Where this comes to living, it becomes a big deal is when we have to do what we don't want to do. But God asks of us. That's where obedience comes in. Not just to do the things that are convenient and comfortable that we already want to do. The true test of our obedience is whether we do things that we don't want, that change our habits that we've been holding on to, that are keeping us from becoming more like Jesus. It comes down to following Christ should cost us in every area of our life, from the big to the little. One of those areas to just live it out is to walk the talk, talk our walk. As it says in verse 26, Trying to put, putting the application to this doing the word, verse 26 in James 1. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. To keep a tight rein on your tongue. You think about that. Watch what comes out of our mouth. Not just what we're saying verbally, but what comes out that we're communicating in texts and social media and emails and everything else. It's all a part of it. It's not a small thing to God. In fact, in James here, if you don't like it, he's going to keep hitting it. Uh, another one of those things, because we did it in verse 19, chapter 2, verse 12, chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, 14 to 18, chapter 4, or 11 and 12. He just keeps talking about it. The way we talk is a reflection of our walk with Jesus. Somebody says, well, I, I don't I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I mean, I know there are things that come out of my mouth, but, but I don't mean to say them. I, I, it's not really me talking. I don't know how, I don't know why. You know what Jesus does? He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In Matthew 15, verse 18, it says, Things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart. It is you. It is the area that God wants to be able to help you to change and to work in you. What's coming out of your mouth is where we need to be a doer of the words. It's bringing it up here. To keep a tight rein on your tongue is keeping control over what you say. Which means that we don't just say whatever we think or whatever we feel. That's not keeping a tight rein. That's not keeping control. That's just letting the reins loose and let the horse gallop. Ah, Let them rip, you know, and we let the words rip out. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And then we just blame it. Well, that's just the way I am the horse, the tongue should not take off and just go whatever direction it wants. Because we keep a tight rein, we exercise self-control, we direct our tongue to speak that which is good and godly, leading it away from that which is wrong and bad to say or to put out there. I say, what would Jesus say? How do I honor my mother and father? How do I, I, I... Not provoke my children. How do I respect my spouse? This tongue is a little thing that causes big problems. And maybe there are certain horses in life that you can, and I know there are in in reality, there are certain horses where you can lighten up. You can actually loosen the reins, so to speak, and just allow them to just go. Free rein, if you will. Some horses, you can just give free rein and everything will be fine. They get a little release from the bit. But newsflash, the tongue is not one of those animals. You can give free rein. And unfortunately, in our churchianity ways that we have, sometimes we... We more, are more concerned about living what good church people should be saying and not saying versus living what the Word of God says should be. And so the good good church people, you know, I mean, you shouldn't be using foul language. You shouldn't be swearing. You shouldn't be using crude remarks. All of that's true. All of that, there are, are, are Bible verses about that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 and other places, this 429 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And there's so much more about, that, you know, foul language. Okay, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. But we stop short of walking the full word of God says about what should be coming out of our mouth or what should be happening. And what you see is that it becomes an acceptable sin, a sin that we just kind of let go with gossip, with critical remarks towards others and judgmental comments, pulling down and putting down others. While those may not be swear words, they are curse words. They are words that speak a curse on someone. The fact is, talking or walk goes beyond just avoiding certain negative things that don't look good for Christians. It's about all things. Somebody said, uh, yeah, "Yeah, but you should have heard what they said first. If you just knew what they said first, well, you would think differently." Oh, here's what First Peter three nine says. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. This is about living this out. And in verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious, I know in our day and age that connotation is not a good thing. But in the Bible and that word that's being used there, it's not meant about religion the way we think about it. But it's talking about something positive of faith that is being lived out, that is devout, that is pious, that's the real thing. And what he's saying here is anyone who thinks they've got the real thing going but doesn't keep a tight rein on the tongue, your real faith is worthless. Are we hearing this? The whole teaching on just do it. It's important not just to God, but it's important to others and our witness because that's what unbelievers criticize church people about all the time, right? They're hypocrites. Meaning, now and obviously sometimes they don't have a clue, but sometimes it is meaning that not practicing what we preach, not living the word of God that we say we're listening to. It's essential to note that our conversation about just do it does not deal with salvation here. We're talking about this, just do it in case you have any. It's not about doing that gets us to heaven. It's about what's already done that gets us to heaven. What was already done by Jesus, not by us, by Jesus on the cross that gets us to heaven and us receiving that. So this doing of the word or obeying God is not done to get to salvation but it is done because we've already got salvation because God loves us and we love him it is the fruit not the root our faith is not just some private belief in our heads our faith is not some personal practice on Sundays it's much more than that but we need to move on to number 3 we need to live it and stop lying to ourselves about it we need to stop lying Or deluding. Uh, My version in verse 22 says, Don't deceive yourself. Even in verse 26, I just read. There are those who are deceiving themselves into thinking that they are mature and they are spiritual obviously they would say I'm not perfect, but they think they're mature spiritual Christians based on maybe the number of years they've been a Christian or really um, it's about the amount of Bible knowledge and the information they've acquired, how many things they've listened to and heard throughout the years and the new stuff they're learning. Yet the amount that we have listened to in our life as Christians compared to the actual amount that we are living oftentimes comes to a very infinitesimal Amount that we will be judged on. Can you say hashtag self-deceived? Because ultimately it doesn't matter whether you know it. It matters whether you show it. It doesn't just matter whether you can talk it. It matters whether you walk it. So many are fooling themselves and thinking, that there are good spiritual Christians who are growing because they're regularly listened to and looking at the Word of God." But no amount of Bible that we know is a mark of maturity. After all, I, I, I don't know. We would say, "But, but I'm not like that person. That you know, that person. We're not going to point fingers. But well, you know, I'm not like that person who doesn't really even listen." I mean, right now, pastor, they're just, they, I mean, as soon as you started, they were someplace else. They don't even read the, they, they don't even know where their Bible is, let alone read it throughout the week. I'm not like that person. I'm into the word of God. You know, I, I read it. I, I, I got it. I'm, I'm good. But yet what James is trying to get across is don't deceive yourself. If we think we're better because we're listening and that person isn't, but in our listening, we're not doing it. The person who's not listening is also not doing it. To God, that's the measure. We're the same. And it's not just about how we hear it. You know, somehow we think, well, that person, there are people who say they're listening, but it's just going in one ear and out the other. They're not really looking at the Word of God. They're not really getting into it. And yet in verse 23, and this is unfortunately as far as we're going to get this week, but do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says in verse 23. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says, this person who's not a doer of the Word, is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And we like to think of that as the man who just kind of walks by, looks and goes, looking good. Okay, you know, got it. That's not not what that word means, to look there. Now we're talking, understand, in verse 23, this is talking about the one who listens but does not do. This is not the good example. But it says the one who looks, that one who is not the good example, looks at the word. And that word, look there, means to observe, to think, to notice, to discover, to give careful consideration, to understand what they're looking at. They are getting into the Word, so to speak. They're getting into that image. They know. They're studying that. They're looking at it. But that didn't change anything because they just listened and looked, but they didn't live it. They're lying to themselves, thinking that somehow that's it. Start living it, to be a doer of the Word. And it's amazing the kind of excuses that people come up with all the time you know, things that I've heard, maybe you, I'm sure again, we have great people here and nobody's ever said things like this, but when God is clearly has clearly has something right in his word, you know, it should be just do it. But there are those who say, well, you know what? That, that, that verse doesn't really apply to me, pastor or whoever you are, you know, out there. That verse doesn't apply to me because God never really spoke to me about this. I mean, yes, I read it in the Bible. Yes, it's true. And yes, I'm not doing that. But, you know, I've heard a sermon on it. But I'm not doing it right now because the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted me about this. And my conscience is clear. Therefore, I'm good. Even though I'm not doing it, I'm good. Here's the thing. The Bible... Is God's word. The Holy Spirit. Is God. Therefore. When you look. At the word of God. And what they just said. That. Was the Holy Spirit. Speaking to you. Because the Holy Spirit. Is God. I'm not saying that's the only way the Holy Spirit speaks to us. But that is. God's word. He is the God, and therefore, whatever you heard, whatever you listened to, whatever you saw, you have already had the Holy Spirit speak to you. Don't be waiting for some experience, some feeling, something else that whatever you're looking, skywriting, God said it, just do it. The real question really that we should be asking ourselves in that moment is why did we not have a sense of conviction? Why was our conscience not witnessing against us? Why has our heart become hard our conscience seared and our ears deaf to the holy spirit well but 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 i I don't really need to do it why well because jesus loves me just the way i am and you know there's 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 truth to that and yet we've taken it way too far we got out of hand jesus loves me this i know the bible tells me so but he loves me too much to keep me that way to keep me where i'm at it's not just about my salvation you know, there, there's that sense of this easy believism that oh, I just need to ask Jesus to forgive me. And then I just have to wait for the bus from heaven to come and get me. I just live my life however I like. But that's not what Jesus says. True followers of Jesus are, are concerned. Those who have experienced the love, who know the love of Jesus, know that we are to love him back. In fact, not just because we're told to love him, but because we should want to. I mean, how many of us, and sometimes some of us haven't experienced this, but those who have truly experienced, and I hope you've experienced this with God's love, those who have truly experienced somebody who really, really loves you all out, somebody who loves you for who you are, so to speak, but somebody who loves you, you want to love them back. They don't have to tell you, hey, I love you, so you should love me. (laughs) That's not the way it works because they love you though you want to love them and that's what Jesus is saying to us when we think through Jesus replied anyone who loves me will obey my teaching my father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them do we recognize what Jesus is, is saying here it, we are to do this it's not just st- we'd say one thing and then we just live however we want you know he says other places if you love me in John 14:15 If you love me, keep my commands. We cannot, we are lying to ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves if we say we've accepted Jesus, but we reject his word and what he's told us. We're lying to ourselves. When we have no intention of doing what He says, in fact, that's what this says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, anyone who says that they know Jesus but do not keep His commands is a liar. We're deceiving ourselves. Worship team, would you, you come? You know, we can live as good a religious life, looking good on the outside and everything, listening, But if we're not living it, then this spiritual-looking life, as far as we read even in verse 26, this spiritual-looking life is worthless, empty, dead. When it comes down to it, we're to listen and to obey Jesus. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. It just comes down to this. Just do it. Father, pray that you would help us. We recognize what you've asked of us. We recognize commands. We recognize obedience. But we're not just wanting to do this in a sense because we're afraid of some punishment or all those kind of things but that we need to express the love that we say that we have in a real and tangible ways not just listen but to live it And so Lord help us in this moment to be changed by your word to decide to be changed and be different to walk the talk to just do it because we love you because your love is so overwhelmed us we want to by the power of your holy spirit in us enabling and giving us the strength to do this but may we make the decision today to be doers of the word of god and not hearers only in your name